to the doghouse. It's Riverdale season four, episode three, chapter 60, dog day afternoon. Things take a dangerous turn when Betty and Charles track down Edgar and his farmies. Jughead's first day at Stonewall prep doesn't go as planned. And Cheryl learns a dark family secret. I don't think I'm being hyperbolic when I say that this is the most buckwild episode of television I think I've ever seen. It's pretty nuts. <laughs> or, and and not just one storyline is nuts. Several storylines are ridiculous. I would say the only one that is actually intriguing and not just ridiculous is Jughead's. Veronica's isn't terrible. It has some wackadoo it, moments. It has eye rolliness, but it has a little more grounding. But a couple of these. Woo! Archie and Betty are just in their own little universe right now. <laughs> so let's recap that recap real quick. Jason's corpse is in Thistlewood. Betty's informing on the farm. Jug's got a new school and his classmate's a douche. Veronica's changing her name and Edgar's going full Waco. Yeah. Okay. So we start with the El Royale gym. Monroe comes in and he's yelling at his little brother, Malcolm. And Archie's like, what's what's going on? And we find out that Malcolm has been hanging out at the Wipeout Arcade. And it's a place that's crawling with dealers. And they're just like, Monroe doesn't want him hooked up with that stuff. He doesn't want him around that. And so Monroe is asking Archie, didn't we say we were going to turn this place into a community center? Yeah, but, you know, my life kind of sucks right now. Dead dead pass. Dead dead pass. But he he looks at Monroe and he looks at Malcolm and he's like, you're right, it, it's time. And Kay. thus begins the broiest storyline of Brodom that ever did bro. I mean, I didn't know we could outbro him and Reggie, but we're Ooh. gonna. We cut over to where it's Stonewall Prep and FP and Jellybean are there to drop off Jughead with Betty in tow. Aww. It's cute. It's a nice little like family, like Betty Jug moment. You know, he walks in, he's like, welcome to Dead Poet Society. There's a triple bubble reference. And then, you know, there's Jughead reassuring Betty that they're in it for the long haul. Nope. No. Boy, I've never seen a bigger death sentence proclamation for a relationship than that scene. Totally. Uh, (laughs) But they they have a nice, cute kiss. We go back to the Pembroke and Veronica is being dramatic. And she's saying that she was all ready to sign the document to change her name to Veronica Gomez, but she just couldn't do it. And Archie says, well, if it didn't feel right, it didn't feel right. And Veronica says, I still want to do it. I just need to figure it out. Okay, well, you want to come to the gym? I'm going to meet Miss Weiss, which I'm like that we keep the same social worker. That's encouraging. And so Veronica's like, sure, but let's have sex now. So they have sex. Do they ever not bone? Do they ever not? Okay, like. I don't have a problem with them boning as much this season because we've seen them have the emotional connection. Our problem with them previously was that they only boned. That's true. They didn't talk about their feelings or deal with shit. And one of the things that I said with the finale last season was we finally got a true, honest, romantic moment between them. They're finally like, there's some emotional maturity between the two of them, which I know is like, it's on a very slidey scale for this show. <laughs> but for them, and like, they just also have a very sexual relationship. That's okay. Just again, I would like a little bit of birth control, safe sex conversation happening. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Well, we need a pregnancy scare for them. Well, I've been predicting it for a month, season four. Come on, y'all. We go back to Stonewall and in walks... Moose. Oh, Moose came back, but it's Marmaduke now. 
Okay. And he is going to be Jughead's roommate along with Brett. But Moose is very clear, like, hey, I had a nervous breakdown. I was in a facility for a while. I am starting over here fresh, new. Nobody knows anything about that. Don't let anyone know. And Jughead's like, yeah, no, I got it. Not a problem. Are you okay? Which is really, you know, sweet and caring. I like that. And Moose says, yeah, I feel like this darkness is off of me. And make sure nothing slips around Brett. So like, okay, alarm bells are going off. Brett's a bad dude. We kind of already knew that he was scuzzy, but like, okay, now we have somebody that we trust in universe telling us, watch out for this dude. Then he shows up and is like, oh, so you've met your roommate and it's time for us to go to seminar. Did you do your reading? To which Jughead's kind of like, huh? (laughs) He's already behind. Why? Why did Moose have to go to a mental hospital? Why did he have to have a nervous breakdown? Why couldn't he have just gone, you know, something really bad happened and it was really hard and I needed a fresh start. That's all we had to say. I don't think we needed that. We could have just been like, it was really bad. I had to do some intensive therapy. Fair. Would have been like a nice half measure. I don't know. I I guess R.I.S. likes facilities. He likes to institutionalize people with mental illness, which is like, cool. Thanks, R.E.S. No, no, no. He likes to institutionalize his gays. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Ugh, whatever. So bad. Uh, Stop it. Yeah, that's not good. We go to the El Royale gym. We're talking to Miss Weiss. We're explaining like, okay, we're going to teach the kids boxing according to their age. It's going to stay open until 10 so that kids have a place to be until they have to go home. And Miss Weiss is like, okay, great. But I want you to be aware of how much work this is actually going to take on. Mary's there. And she's like, what about school, Archie? And Archie's like, well, Mr. Keller will be there during the day. So that's kind of cool because we know Mr. Keller trained Archie before. Yeah. Also brings him more into the series because I like Mr. Keller. And, you know, Miss Weiss is like, okay, you got to have a safety inspection and you have to add another bathroom. Mary is very, that sounds expensive. No shit, Mary. And Archie's like, we'll figure it out because, you know, he's got his money bags girlfriend next door. Hey, also, when the fuck did Riverdale turn into inner city Detroit? I don't know. Like, <laughs> like- Riverdale is in an alternate universe. We've already decided that because they have iPhones and also phone booths. <laughs> and not just phone booths, because I think phone booths as a public service should exist. But the phone booth had a paper white pages. I'm just in two years. The city has somehow gone from seemingly kind of affluent suburb uh-huh. to like drug-wracked, gang-ridden crime den. I don't get it. <laughs> Hearing all of this laid out, I'm starting to go, what the fuck happened? <laughs> yeah. Am I in a fugue state or something? Yes. Like, I know it's bad. It's very bad. But it got that bad? Clearly. <laughs> I mean, between Hiram and Gladys, I mean, shit got cray. Shit I, got cray. I guess. Yep. Uh, we go to the FBI den, and according to Kevin's intel, now the motel that they're staying at is under 24-hour surveillance, and apparently it's owned by one of Edgar's followers, and they've been taking pictures, and we see one of Evelyn greeting the front door. Betty's like, why haven't you busted in there? To which Charles says, have you ever heard of Waco, Betty? <sighs> which is a nice reference. I guess. And so one of the other FBI guys is like, hey, we figured out the farm's been getting pizza deliveries every day about the same time. And we've got an agent in disguise about to make a delivery as we speak. That's quinky dink. 
<laughs> so like now Betty and Charles are on like old school 60s headphones, which I think are rad. And we hear the conversation between the FBI agent and it's Evelyn Evernever. And they're like, you're not our guy. Take him. They're shouting and struggling and gunshots. And then Edgar gets on. It's just like, oh, you're usually more clever than this. I know all your secrets. Don't send anyone else or their blood will also be on your hands. Wait to hear from me. And he hangs up. Charles is a bad FBI agent. I don't think Charles is an FBI agent. I don't either. But or, also, or, or he's not currently an FBI agent. Regardless, uh huh. All of these operations are really bad. Oh no, it only gets worse. We cut on over to Thistle House. Tony's making out, and then the hair creaking, and Tony's all put out. There goes Nana Rose again, and she says it sounds like she's scratching from inside the walls. And Cheryl's just like, you know, it's it's fine. Don't worry about it. And Tony says, I'm concerned about leaving the twins with her while we're at school. Maybe we should hire a caretaker, which, okay, not a stupid thing. Why haven't you done this already? Seriously, you are two teenagers with a set of twins and an elderly grandmother who is kind of senile. Nana Rose has dementia and weird blood in the vial, so <laughs> she's crazy. Uh, yeah. Cheryl is very against hiring a caretaker. She doesn't want anyone in their house. Gee, I wonder why. We're doing just fine. Giant scream. They rush into the other room. Nana Rose is standing by the fire, and she's like, I thought I saw the triplets burning in the fire. And Cheryl's like, Nana, it's me, and Juniper and Dagwood. The twins are sleeping soundly in the nursery. Riverdale. I fucking called that one. Secret blossom, secret blossom, secret blossoms. blossoms. Yeah, it's great. So we head on over to the dog house. Hey. Hey. And we're having a pity party about not having money. Well, I need 40 grand to pay for the renovations. Blah, blah, blah. Let's have a bake sale. Charity concert. Blah, blah, blah. Veronica's got an idea. Cut to working at the car wash. I died. It's so funny. This this is the best moment of the episode. I mean, they went full fan service and just like, yeah, we know. And I don't care because it's adorable. Well, it's adorable. It's also adorable because it's all the fucking dudes. I mean, Kevin should have had a shirt off too. That was one thing. I was like, fucking let Casey Cott not have a shirt. Let him be a lusty icon, okay? Just he's like, come on. He's got it. So let's go for it. So, okay, they're working it. The best the best is Reggie tossing the water on Archie. Oh, I just love Reggie says, what can I say? I have a deep fan base. Ew. Gross and hilarious. <laughs> so they go inside like, what's the haul? And Ronnie throws a pile of money at Archie. A little over four grand? Um, hundred, Archie. I think I overestimated the financial pull of your pectorals. <laughs> and they all are like, Aww. Shit. And then Archie literally just like throws the money like it's useless. Like he just throws it on the table, like, well, this is useless to me. Uh, they're such dumb boys. No, no, I love it. But then Veronica suggests maybe we do a magic mic night at the Bonnoui, or dare I say you go the full Monty. That's fucking illegal, you dumb bitch. They are underage. That it's called child pornography. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> That is a real crime. <laughs> oh, really? Like, I can get over the money laundering and the serving alcohol to teenagers, but no! <laughs> I draw the line. 
fine. Well, so do all four of the boys being like, oh, no, no. no. I appreciate that they rejected it outright. Like, what the fuck? It should have never been suggested. Come on, (laughs) that is way inappropriate. I mean, you already had one of your characters have sex with a teacher. No! (laughs) It's a fucking crime. But he's at school, but he gets a phone call. She thinks it's her mom, but it's Edgar. And he, like, we cut back and forth between him and her, and he looks nuts, but also really hot. Yeah, I get it now. Yeah, I get you. it. Thank you. <laughs> Holy thank shit. You. Thank you. And I'm on season six of One Tree Hill. So, like, that man has only gotten hotter with age because he looks really fucking weird for most of One Tree Hill. Can I just say, mm-hmm. let's let him play more dirt bags because he's really hot, but in a dirt bag. Yeah, it's that maniacal dirt bag looks pretty good. A little bit. Yep. He says, yeah, I know it's your mom. I started cutting people's fingers off and I need $250,000, passports for all of my followers, food, water, and a bus for transport. And he's like, okay, why did you call me and not Charles? And Edgar says, I figured I'd have a better shot with you than with him. You have five hours. So I was like, all right. And she calls Charles. Charles, I just heard from Edgar. Cut to the Stonewall prep classroom. Salon. The salon. And Brett's finishing his story. And now it's time for everyone to talk. You know, one person calls it astonishing. And Brett's like, what do you think, Rumi? And Jughead's just like, it was good. Okay, don't hold back. And he goes, it's not my taste. And we cut to Donna. And Donna's smirking. And then Jughead continues, it's a Salinger derivative. This causes Brett to start like making fun of Jughead, saying that his writing is pulp. Jughead says, hey, you know, pulp is not an insult to me. They kind of go back and forth. Mr. Chipping comes in and is like, yeah, you know, taste aside, all good writing does have one thing in common, authenticity. And Brett decides he's going to double down. Well, that's my problem. I can't relate to Jughead's work because I'm not of his world. I don't have any experience with low lives or criminals or trailer trash. To which Jughead instantly jumps up and says, oh, no. I could give you a crash course in about five seconds, (laughs) which I love. I love that Jughead doesn't have a problem being called trailer trash, but that you are trying to use it as a reason why you can't understand my writing. Fuck you. Oh, yeah. That's what it is. I kind of love Jughead in this episode. No, Jug's fucking great. Mr. Chipping lets Jughead know, hey, we have a zero tolerance policy on violence, which is going to be a problem for Jughead. Also, Mr. Chipping's the most garbage teacher on the face of the planet because authenticity is bullshit. It depends on the genre. If you're talking about memoir, authenticity matters. Fair. And I guess I'm not exactly sure what kind of story we're writing. If we're talking just straight prose, then it just has to be convincingly authentic. It doesn't have to actually be authentic. But authenticity is often this really reductive catchword for compelling. Well, it can be, but it's the whole thing. I was on Twitter the other day about like authenticity in and of itself is performative. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Like something either feels authentic or it doesn't. And I agree. It it usually is being used in place of the word compelling. I just write good. Just yeah. write good. Write good. Write good story. There's other reasons, but I'm like, mm, Mr. Chipping seems like a pretty much garbage teacher. We'll get into that. We cut over to Thistlewood and Cheryl has arrived. Do you hear me? Netta? Babies, I'm home. <laughs> and, sh- and she walks into like the parlor because, yeah. And there's a hot dude there in Nurse's Scrubs. 
And she's like, who are you, interloper? <laughs> and Tony's like, okay, don't get mad. This is Darius. He's a night nurse I found online. He's going to help with Nana and the kids. And Cheryl's like, fine, but do what I tell you to do. Don't go into the Blossom Chapel in the basement. I was right about the basement. Yay! <laughs> Darius is like, okay, sure. No problem. Like, he's not here to cause a problem. Officially a sex idiot. He's a sex idiot. But as far as we know, no one's using him for sex. Wasted. <laughs> Just- Wasted. The whole combo platter of all of this is just fucking hilarious to me. I cut back to Stonewall. Jug is walking down the hallway and he just walks into his room and there is Moose and Donna getting it on. And Moose yells, dude, there's a tie on the door. <laughs> Jughead like very clumsily shuts the door and he just yells, I'm sorry, I'm not used to this. <laughs> so then Donna opens the door and he's like, hey, I, I don't I don't gossip. So I don't care if you are. I'm not ashamed of anything I do. Well, damn. Important. And she says, I have some advice for you. Watch your back around Brett. He's a diplo brat. He's a son of a diplomat. Thinks that gives him immunity to do whatever he wants. And Jack is like, oh, like beat me up. That's not how Brett fights. It's psychological with him. And he's not afraid to play dirty. So she goes, Jughead walks in and there's just giant smile. And he's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I thought you were. And Moose goes, I like guys and girls. Cool. Yeah, totally. I'll keep my eye on the doorknob. Like, like it's just precious and cute. Moose is a bicon. It's a bicon. I love it. I stand. I love it so much. I love it. It's sweet. And now we get to the most offensive scene that ever happened in all of Riverdale. <laughs> so I actually, I will say, I think there's a scene worse in this episode and we'll get there, but I think there's a worse scene. Oh, interesting. I don't know. I might get there too, but this one pisses me off on so many levels. Like it's bad. It's very bad. I, I am allergic to a bad plan. I'm just allergic to it. I just am. And this whole scene is just like, are you fucking kidding me? This is stupid for every single person in this room. Every person in the writer's room, every single person on set, nobody thought, hey, hey, I have a note. I have a note. I'm sorry. I have a note. Can I just say, though, that's kind of why I think this scene is so amazing is because in no logical way should this work. But in the context of the show, it kind of does. Okay, so we're in the FBI den, and Edgar calls Betty, and Charles is coaching her on the other end, which of course he can fucking hear Charles, because Betty doesn't put her hand over her phone. She puts the phone behind her back, you're a fucking stupid girl. It's a speakerphone. What the fuck? Yeah. So they're like, okay, release a hostage, assign a goodwill. And Edgar says, I already have. They turn around, and it's Polly. Polly's freaked out. She's wearing a really fucking ugly poncho. She takes it off, and she's got a bomb stretched to her. So everyone starts freaking out, and... Betty's trying to like calm her down, like coax her. And basically, Charles, you know, a trained FBI agent, tells Betty, the 16, 17-year-old high school student, half-sister, how to defuse a fucking bomb. (laughs) And so she cuts a wire, but it's a trigger wire, and it makes the thing count down faster. And she needs a pin. She needs a pin. Edgar took it. So what does Betty do? She gets her trusty bobby pin, which I did love. Okay, I love that. I love the use of the bobby pin. It's a great callback. She diffuses the bomb mm-hmm. with at least two FBI agents in the room doing nothing. nothing. Yeah, because they don't give a fuck about Polly. They don't want to get blowed up. <laughs> you know what? I am proud of this show for making a commitment to saying that the FBI is garbage. I'm proud of them for taking a stand. We've gone over to Stonewall <laughs> and Mr. Tripping shows up to class and says, I've canceled the seminar. 
we're going to have an evening session. You're each going to get a copy of the same story with the final chapter omitted in which the murderer's identity would be revealed. And you each have to write your own version of the ending in whatever style you choose. Then we'll all read them and decide a winner by vote. Brett's like, best story wins, challenge accepted. And Donna asks, what exactly is a so-called exercise meant to prove? And Mr. Tripping says that there is no single way to tell a story, Donna. And he leaves and he's like, he tells everybody, don't be late. And Jughead is kind of like halfway sulking, but he looks really small. This is the first time I've seen Jughead like look, like he looks small, like probably since the first season. He's retreating into himself here a little bit. <clears throat> I shall now recite my notes from this scene. Oh, okay. He's creepy. This is a murder class. He's breeding a secret society. Mr. Chipping is a villain, hands down. Noted. We'll put a pin in that. Mr. Chipping is fucking skull and bonesing these kids into some sort of murder. I'm I'm not saying you're wrong, but let's get to it later. Okay. We'll get, we'll, we'll get to the culmination of this whole thing. We head on over to the El Royale gym. Archie's not wearing a shirt and he's boxing. In walks Monroe yelling that Malcolm got jumped by the thugs for not making deliveries and he wasn't even at the arcade. Like, we got to go, you know, get them. And there it's this guy named Dodger and he recruits kids and they break into houses and make deliveries and they do all kinds of crap. And River, there's no place for people that prey on kids. So let's teach them a lesson like old times. Let's go down there. And Archie's like, whoa, I don't think this is a good idea. Growth. Archie showed growth. <laughs> for five seconds, it'll it'll pass. <laughs> it won't last very long. If you get caught, you're going to end up behind bars and you've got your brother and your grandma depending on you. I'll talk to FP and put Dodger on his radar and we'll let the cops take care of it. Who is this Archie? He is being smart and making sense. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. A moment of growth is important. We go back to the FBI den and Polly... Just says, look, the only way you're going to help Edgar is give him what he wants if you want to keep mom alive. So just do it on your own because, yeah, you just got to. Also, she's freaked out. And part of it is she's still dealing with cult stuff. So, like, part of her thinks that if you just give Edgar what he wants, everything will be okay. Yeah. And they go over to the Pembroke and Betty is asking Veronica for $250,000. Because, of what? course, Veronica's an ATM at this point. <laughs> so... At least Veronica goes, I can't get that amount of money. But she offers up the five Glamourge eggs she has because they're each worth about $50,000. Convenient. Yep. They're her mom's. But also, fuck her mother and fuck her dad. Pretty much. And then Veronica's like, how are you going to get the other stuff? And Betty's like, I know people. So we cut to her asking Tony for the fake passports. I really can't get into it, but it's a matter of life or death. To which Tony's like, okay, I know a guy. And then Betty is in the school office banging on the bell because she needs to find Mr. Fitz, this bus driver, because she left her calculus book on the bus. And Miss Bell, the secretary, is like, well, he's already gone for the day. To which Betty's like, okay, no problem. Next, we see her driving the bus. She's on the phone with Edgar. I've got everything you asked for. Now let me in. So let's recap. She, I guess, sold some priceless eggs. Got fake passports. I don't believe that she sold the eggs. She just has them in her possession because they're like, that's what she's going to give him instead of cash. Which is ridiculous. Yeah, it's actually kind of smart. Stole a school bus Mm -hmm. and is now headed to a cult. Sure. Sure. God, I love it when a plan comes together. Sure. Yeah. Somebody drives in and all the farmies are outside and Edgar comes out looking really hot. 
and mm-hmm. also still crazy. But he's like, okay, I've got everything you asked for. Now where's my mom? And he's just like, mm, I knew you wouldn't fail me. It's such a shame that you didn't accept the simple truths I tried to instill in you. Then Evelyn comes around and smacks her in the head and knocks her out. And then he starts walking away and signals all the farmies to follow him. This can only end well. Sure. Sure. This is a happy ending here. Mm-hmm. We go back to Stonewall Prep and we're in the classroom and all the students are like working at their computers and Brett throws a piece of paper at Jug. What are you doing? Brett just makes it clear that he knows everything about Jug. It's like, weren't you just a little urchin wandering the streets after your mom ditched you and your good for nothing drunk of a father? And isn't your little sister a budding hooligan herself? Only 13 years old and already roped into your mom's drug business. The way he delivers that line is Mm -hmm. like he's going to talk about like how pretty she is yeah it's very serial killer that's the way it sounds it's real weird vibes which i mean maybe that's where they want to go with him remember what his name is brett weston wallace (sighs) it's patrick bateman vibes that's what he's going for and jughead grabs his collar and shoves him like back in a chair it's like you're right I wasn't born in rarefied air. I didn't grow up with any silver spoons, but my dad had the strength to turn his life around and become a sheriff. And I have friends and family that actually care for me. Can you even say the same? So why don't you try writing a compelling drama instead of starting it? And then he just walks away. And Brett is terrified. Terrified. Jughead wins the episode. Yes. Thank you, everyone. We can all go home. Jughead won the episode. Correct. He had the only good story. Yeah, and a real story. like A, re- a real story that also is written in his voice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Like, all of it makes sense for Jughead. Mm-hmm. And it's not, like, overly fantastical. Even though the seeds are getting planted of off the fucking rails. Well, yeah, it's Riverdale. It can't be normal for more than five minutes or we all die. That's, that's the loop we're in, right? That's what's happening. Speaking of which... Cool. We go over to the Pembroke and Veronica's home and feels weird. Like she can tell someone's there. She's like Smithers. And she walks into her dad's study. She's like, Daddy, you're supposed to be in jail. (laughs) To which, okay, I love the way Mark Consuelos delivers all of this. Mija, I own that jail. I come and go as I please. Like, smarten up, bitch. Like, come on. She is terrified. And rightfully so. And he is deliciously evil. He's enjoying this so much and I love it. It's perfectly written for Mark Consuelos. I love it. Perfect tone, this scene. Like this is the moment for Veronica where it's like, well, this is ridiculous, but I kind of love it. Yeah. He's out because he heard about her changing her name. And he's like, okay, have you heard of Jaime Luna? And Veronica's like, no. Luna was my father's name. And Jaime Luna was the name of his only son, me. I wasn't born Hiram Lodge. I became him. And uh, so I took a name that people would respect. And when my father found out, he was angry and he beat me and I didn't understand it because I didn't want his life. I wanted mine, my own name. And it wasn't until this moment that I understood my father's rage. Do you think that changing your name is going to wash away your sins? It won't. And Veronica says, I'm not going down the same path you did, daddy. You just keep telling yourself that you'll always be a part of this family. It's in your blood. And that doesn't wash out. And he starts to leave. And he says, don't bother changing the locks. You can't keep me out. <laughs> it's creepy, but it's ex- it's so perfect. Oh, yeah. It's so perfect. Also, there's a nice little Bane reference. I was born into this. Oh, shut up. Okay, now I get a really stupid fucking scene. This is the worst scene. Okay. This is it. This one is just sloppy. 
It makes no fucking sense for Mary Andrews. So, okay, we're at the Andrews house and Archie's like doing paperwork or some shit at the table. And Mary wants Archie to come back to Chicago with her, which why the fuck were you trying to go to Chicago right now? Like permanently. And Archie says, no, I got to stay here because I got to get a football scholarship. Otherwise, I can't go to college. And Mary lets it slip that, well, we started a college fund for you, to which Archie's like, holy shit, I got money. <laughs> he, he delivers that perfectly. KJ's getting really good at the dumb Archie speak. I love it's it. It's perfect. It's just so good. He's broing out so hard. And Mary's like, well, I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want you to use the money on the gym. And Archie's like, yeah, I want to do that. And she's like, I think it's noble, but... Do you think that's going to make a difference here in Riverdale? I mean, with all the crime and all the thugs, is this really a town you want to invest in? No one's safe here. Archie's just like, I'm not going to give up on Riverdale the same way you did. I moved to Chicago because I couldn't find a job here. Don't blame me because I'm trying to stop my child from putting his money on a losing proposition. And Archie's just like, this is where he's channeling Fred a lot, Luke Perry. He's like, guess that's the difference between me and you, mom. I don't think Riverdale is a losing proposition. Same as dad. I'm not moving and I won't make a difference here. Okay. Wow. You gave that scene a lot of gravitas and really good line reading. Uh Uh-huh. I did because I'm not horrible. Because the actors in the scene gave it fucking none of that. That Uh, last line is laughable in the episode. And this makes no damn sense for Mary Andrews. Well, if you listen to our Doghouse drive through episode, which is available to our Patreon members at the $2 and up level, you would have heard us talk about like how we would have fixed this problem. And it should have been Mary's planning to go back to Chicago for a couple days because she needs to check in with her firm and like tie up a couple of cases. Like she has to go back for a couple of days. Like that's reasonable. Yes. And her coming in here and be like, hey, you know, I'm going back to Chicago for a couple of days. And I was thinking about registering you for school there. And that being the conversation here. Because then it makes sense for her to be leaving for a little bit. And it it forces the conversation about Chicago. I understand all of that. And then getting into the whole like, well, I didn't want to tell you about the money because I knew you'd instantly want to do this. And I just don't think this is where you need to invest your time. I do want you to have a future. I do want you to go to college. But I think you can accomplish all that in Chicago, not in Riverdale. And then it can be about Archie being like, I have to finish what dad started. Because that's what this all is about. But the whole thing is so unearned and manufactured and bullshit. It was kind of during the scene that I realized that that's what this entire season is going to be about. It's going to be about parent legacy more than any other way. Veronica is firmly rejecting her father's legacy. We don't really know how things are going to turn out with her mom. Like that could end out okay. But in terms of her father, she's firmly rejecting him. Archie is fully embracing his father's legacy. Jughead has no idea what his legacy is. And that's what we're going to get into with his his lineage, with his grandfather having gone to Stonewall Prep. And we still don't fully know what's going to happen with Betty. But you can be damn sure it's going to have to do with the repercussions of the whole town thinking that she is the spawn of the Black Hood. That's what this season is. Reaper Justice League. The new Reaper Justice League. Oh, no. Yeah. Theme for the whole season is daddy issues, for fuck's sake. (laughs) In good and bad ways. Look at what's going on with Moose. Daddy issues. (laughs) Daddy fucking issues. Josie's gone. Daddy fucking issues. For kids, sex, lives, and videotape, that should have been the tagline for the fucking season. Daddy issues. Okay, new thing for the rest of the season. Anytime anything comes up about someone's dad, 
Daddy issues. <laughs> hashtag daddy issues. That's it. That's what it is for the season. Oh, my God. Season four. Hashtag daddy issues. What they've done is made her sloppy. And you needed to be extra careful with how you handled Mary and you weren't, which I, I find offensive at the core. Yeah. Like, you did such a good job in wrapping up Fred's story. You need to be very careful with how you work with Mary. They because, won't. Uh, no, they don't. never I, I don't will. trust them for a fucking, like. No. Whatever. We got way more crazy shit to get into. So after this conversation, Archie goes up to his room and starts punching his gym bag. And Which then, makes this even worse. Well, you know, he's getting out his aggression. Okay, you know. And then he grabs like a bandana and he starts climbing out his window, but not before grabbing a baseball bat. So then we cut to, we're outside an arcade. We see some guys like talking to each other. And then Archie comes out. He's got the bandana over his face and he's looking for Dodger. And he just tells them your days of exploiting kids to do your dirty work ends tonight. And... Dodger's like, uh, you're outnumbered five to one. And Archie's like, I'll take those odds. And Dodger cracks his neck and then someone throws a punch. Do they not have guns? Well, they're they're low tech in the Riverdale. Because <laughs> like, in any situation where this actually happened, one of those dudes would have pulled out a gun and shot Archie. Done. <laughs> also, KJ's using a different voice in this scene. And I'm like, that accent's better for you. Hmm. He's, he's doing bad he's doing, Archie. He's, he's doing his Batman but whatever. We cut back to Andrew's house. And this time, Veronica's there to talk to Mary. She hands Mary a check for $40,000. And she says, I'm giving it to you to give to Archie for the community center. He's too proud to take it from me. Mary says, this is nice, but we can't accept it. We can't be in this kind of debt to your family. Ew. I hate that line. And that line is gross. And also, if you put that money into the center, it keeps Archie here in Riverdale away from college, away from his future. <sighs> and then this is stupid. That Veronica says, at the risk of overstepping, all you fucking do is overstep, Veronica. <laughs> like, you don't care if you are overstepping. But I do think it's sweet. Well, I think she wouldn't say that to most people. She yes. would say it to Mary. She's going to overstep, but at least she's trying to, like, apologize in advance for it. <laughs> like, I'm investing in your son. Because he makes me want to believe in myself and I need that. Which is fucking sweet. And again, this is where I get back to. They have the emotional like relationship now. No, you're right. Which I appreciate. And they're keeping that there. So that's good. (sighs) We go to Thistle House and Cheryl's off to the basement to visit her brother. And she comes in and she's all happy. And she's like, um, weren't you over there whilst I read to you at nighttide? Okay. This is weird. That's bad. Not good. Not good. Not good for Cheryl. Nope. Nope. Not good for dead Jason either. Like, you thought the worst thing that happened to him was being killed by his dad. It's not. (laughs) We cut over to the gym and Monroe walks in and is like, uh, Red, what the hell happened? And Archie is gone to sleep there and he's all beat up. He's like, oh, you should see Dodger and the other guys. They're not going to be messing with your brother anytime soon. Monroe's like, you went without me? He's like, what are you, a superhero now? Nice foreshadowing. and. Yeah, whatever. We've got enough money to buy a second bathroom. And you look over and there's a giant bag of money that apparently Archie stole from the drug dealers. And it's like, what? We can't use this. This money's dirty. Only a fool would spend this cash. It needs to be cleaned first. Any chance your girlfriend can help us with that? Bro. Bro. What the fuck, Archie? I mean, he was smart for five minutes and then it went away. It was like the flu. (laughs) We cut back to the Stonewall classroom. So we have the votes for story C, our winner, which was penned by Donna Sweet. Stories A and B written by Brett and Jughead tied for last place. At least you didn't kill each other. All right. 
Donna Sweet is a nod to Donna Tart, who wrote The Goldfinch. Okay. Privileged kids. Donna is the one who releases the uh, article about moose. She's in cahoots with chipping. Mmm. That's my thinking. It's all fodder for the stories. Stories. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there is some sort of skull and bones type society maybe that used to exist and, and maybe it's getting restarted now. Like maybe it went out of fashion for a while. Probably with the disappearance of Forsyth Pendleton the first. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a big factor in all of this. Whatever happened with Jughead's grandfather, Chipping and Donna know. Brett doesn't. And I think Brett thinks he's in cahoots with Donna and Chipping or whoever is in charge of the actual organization. But Brett is going to be the patsy for everything. He's diabolical. He's crazy. And he thinks he can get away with everything. But he's going to be the fall guy. That's my prediction in all of that. Because I believe Moose would have let it slip to Donna. And Donna would have used that. Yeah. Or they're all in on it. And it's just bad. Eh, well, you know. Betty comes too, and she is tied to a chair next to Alice. So, like, what's the plan? And Alice says, well, Evelyn's going to drive a bus full of farmies off a cliff as a distraction while he, what, takes off in his rocket? What? Yeah. He bought a rocket? No, he's been building one. Yeah, because harvesting organs isn't enough. Thank you. (laughs) That was my... Okay, I like, again, uh, they continue. I feel like they got a new batch of some of the dialogue writers here because my favorite thing at the very end of last season was that Betty and Jughead specifically, and then they had Archie and Veronica do it in the last episode, started commenting on the craziness of what was going on. And here's Betty doing it. Like, yeah, sure, because organ harvesting isn't enough. If you're gonna go full fucking crazy with it and lean in on it, yeah, which honestly, I kind of like. Okay, I've seen people comment on this, and Riverdale is a very specific taste, but if you enjoy it, one of the things you enjoy is that they're willing to go way out of left field with the premise, Mm -hmm. which is fine, but you do have to have the characters look at it and go, what the fuck? A lot, because otherwise they don't feel real anymore. Like if they just bought into, well, I guess this is happening now every single time, it would never feel okay. It's it's putting normal people in ridiculous circumstances. Oh, I, I agree. Betty says, I have a plan, but we have to get back to back. I'm coming over to Thistle House. Darius comes in asking for money and the skeleton key because Thistle House has rats in the wall. Okay, that makes sense for like what they've been hearing. Okay, yeah. All right. It's an old fucking house. Rats show up. And Cheryl freaks out because he said he was going into the basement and she fires him. You're fired. Toodles! Yeah. (laughs) Uh We go back to the motel and Evelyn comes in and the room has been trashed because, you know, Betty and Alice have escaped and she's like, oh, those bitches. And then Betty smacks her on the head and she passes out. (laughs) And then Alice and Betty is now dressed wearing Evelyn's beret and her button down shirt, a la Patty Hearst. And she's looking at a revolver. She's spinning it and she's closing it. Like as she's walking down this corridor with Alice. It's it's a cool little sequence, but also stupid. (laughs) We cut down to the speakeasy and Archie is talking to Veronica. And she's like, where'd you get this from? Oh, some drug dealers. Can you clean it so I can use it for the center? Archie, I know you're trying to do good, but this isn't it. 
My advice is to burn it and just let me pay for the renovations. Thank God he has Veronica as his girlfriend. He's so dumb. I don't know. This is this is also a rare moment of Veronica being smart. Forget your pride for a second and let me be a part of what you're doing. I need to be a part of what you're doing. That's, you know, good moment. There's a, like, she's being smart. Yeah. A well. little bit for the moment. We cut back to the motel and Betty and Alice are yelling at all the farmies to get in the bus. And she's just like, that's the thing about cults. Speak with enough authority and they'll do anything you say. <laughs> and so they're like, okay, once we drive the farmies out, Charles can move in and take down Edgar. And then we see Fangs and he's he like looks at Betty and is like, oh, traitor, there's a traitor. And Betty like smacks him and he gets knocked out. He's fine. Get him on the bus. Okay, please. Okay. And they keep going. And then Al's like, oh, no. And we cut on over to this very cartoon-esque look at Edgar who has this motorcycle jacket on with the collar popped and he's just staring him down like, mm. <laughs> like if he had grown a mustache, he would have been twirling it and being like, it's just, oh, ooh, I'm angry now. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I was like, okay, give me the gun. She takes off. We see Mr. Weatherby who has had a pinky cut off. God. And he's like, okay, this is your last shot at redemption. Get everybody on the bus please okay <laughs> and mr weatherby's like okay on the bus everybody get on the bus <laughs> what the fuck is happening betty calls charles hey hey i'm in the motel betty you have to get out of there governor dooley is sending a team of mercenaries right now what We're hold on hold everything the governor's sending in mercenaries if this is not your clue that charles is not with the actual fbi He's like with the fake FBI, like Anton from season two. Yeah. What is going on? Yeah. I will not put it past these writers to have just sloppily written bad FBI characters, okay? Like he might be with the actual Federal Bureau of Investigation, and he's just really bad at his job. This is not a sanctioned. He's probably on leave. Who the fuck knows? I don't care. So we go to the rooftop, and it's Evil Knievel. Because Edgar is an Eagle Knievel suit, and I did see Chad Michael Murray had an Instagram post about saying, this is my favorite costume I've ever worn ever. And it's at this moment that I feel like we all have gone galaxy brain with this television show. It's whatever. He starts telling the story of Elijah from the Bible. He ascended up in a chariot. He's one of the few people who never actually died and he got to go to heaven. Nah, yay, my biblical teachings have come back to be useful for this moment in Riverdale. I'm so proud. Ooh, symbolism. Yeah. So like he's walking towards Alice. Alice has got the gun drawn and we, we're we cutting to Betty as she's running up the stairs trying to get there. We see that Edgar has a gun on his belt loop behind him. And so he goes to pull and we hear a gunshot. We cut to Betty going, Mom! And we cut back and Edgar is laying thrown back on the stairs to his rocket with a gunshot to the stomach. And she's like, what happened, Mom? Are you okay? And Alice says, Edgar ascended. Cut to commercial. Yeah, that's a good commercial break. Fuck yeah. Oh, on his rocket. Uh, on his rocket. Straight to the moon. Poor, poor Edgar ever and ever. Edgar ever never. Never ever again. <laughs> yeah, I said that. We cut back to the gym and Monroe is teaching a bunch of different kids and, you know, jabbing. And Mary comes in and she goes in the office to see Archie. He's like, what are you going on? What, what's going on? She's like, well... I was leaving, but I'm going to stay and I'm going to focus more on pro bono work here in Riverdale. And my first order of business is to get your community center declared a 501c3. 
That's a nonprofit, and that means you can ask for donations and you don't have to pay taxes and you can apply for grants. And Archie's like super confused. And he's like, that's amazing. I don't know how to do any of that. <laughs> Again, perfect KJ delivery. Big smile on his face. Perfect. To which Mary replies, yeah, you're like your dad in that way. No. Oh, very sweet. She says, you just leave it to me and you go help those kids. Deal. And he's like, what about Chicago? I'll call the airline and cancel the flight. I don't think I'll go back anytime soon. Like, again, it's just, it's sloppy. It's just sloppy. And sh- she could have just said, like, this is what I'm doing. And it's like, when I get back, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do it together. It's just like, we we character turned within a commercial break for no good reason. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Yeah. Mwah! We get over to the prison and Veronica is there, sans blonde wig. And she's like, hello, daddy. I'm sure you'll be getting a call from Mr. Sourberry soon, but I just wanted to let you know face to face that I'm no longer a lodge. And Hiram's like, what? How, what okay, how long are we going to do this? Like, what, what are we doing? I'm officially changing my name to Veronica Luna and I'm changing the locks and I'm installing an alarm and I'm sleeping with a taser under my pillow. And you better believe I'll use it. And she hangs up the phone and walks out. And he's very shocked by this. It's like, oh. Oh, shit. Love it. Loved it. It was perfect. She just threw down on him. Just like, I- I'm not scared of you. And I don't want anything to do with you. Yeah. I like that. You thought Luna was no good. I'll prove you wrong. Ooh, lordy. Yep. Lordy, lordy, lordy. We go over to the Thistlewood basement. Cheryl goes in and she's talking to Jason. She goes, he didn't see you, did he, Jason? And she's looking at his chest and she's hearing some squeals and something's moving on his chest and out pops a rat and she throws a book on it to kill it and then we cut to cheryl is actually sewing jason's body back up we'll fix you right up jj and tony comes in is like what the hell is going on here and she's like tony you've never met jason have you and then tony's like oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck run run tony run run get away but actually, just get Cheryl some help. Yeah, please. That's really what we need more than anything. We cut on over to Stonewall Prep and Jughead is walking down the hall and he sees this newspaper article that has been plastered all over the hallways. And everyone's like, oh no, his dad was the Gargoyle King. His real name is Moose. His girlfriend was murdered by the Black Hood. And Jughead pulls one off the wall and it's been circled and it's got a picture of Moose on it. And it says, and it's a, have you seen this? And Jughead goes into his room and Moose is just devastated. Everyone knows. So much for a new start. I'm done here. And Jughead's very confused and he is just not happy. And so we cut to the not Cooper house and he's sitting on the couch with Betty. And he's just like, it was Brett, of course. And he did it because he blames me for not winning the contest. Or maybe he's just a sociopath, but he knew he couldn't get to me directly. So he went after Moose. It's not Brett. There's no way this is fucking Brett. I think your idea is sound, but I think because these writers are dumb, I think it's the more dumbed down version, which is a little bit Brett, but Brett's not the one who got this intel. Mm. I think it's all the other people in the class are in on this super secret mm. society crap. Jekka says this is psychological warfare, and he's like, don't worry about me. How's your mom and Polly? And Betty says, mom is already working on her expose of the farm. Um, Polly started this program at the Shady Grove Treatment Center. Yay! Polly's getting help! The help she needs! What about Charles? Is he the real deal? Can we trust him? Big fucking nope. No, he's so bad at FBIing. And Betty says, yeah, I think so. I'm just happy that this nightmare is finally over. We get a doorbell. Ding dong! They look at each other. They go to the door. 
Nobody's there. They look down. And there's a there's a plastic bag. Jughead kneels down. It's a VHS tape. And he looks at it and he goes, famous last words. Riverdale. Bet you good money. Donna's story is Moose's secret. The stories they're writing. That might be good. Or at yeah. least her stories. The her stories she's writing correlate with what's on the videotapes. Ah, who knows? That's not going to be the only videotape. There's going to be more. Well, of course. All right. Ugh. This is a crazy episode. Crazy. Watching it again, the absolute bizarreness of Betty's story Mm -hmm. is still enjoyable because of just how bizarre things got. Yeah. Minus the bomb scene, which is dumb. Here's the problem. None of them match tonally in any way, shape, or form. At one moment, we're in a family drama. Then we're at a, a regular teen drama. Then we're in family court, basically. And then we're in a fucking cartoon. <laughs> like, totally none of it ever matches in a way that makes any sort of sense for serialized television. And also your regular teen drama is a very specific kind of teen drama because it's Dead Poets Society or School Ties. Yeah. So, like, that's a very specific lane. Exactly. Yeah, all four stories are on their own wacky path, which is fine, and I don't mind it. It just begs that question of like, okay, if you're going off on all these different tangents, how are y'all coming back together by the end of this? Mm -hmm. Which, again, we've seen them pull it out of their asses before, so who the fuck knows? Yeah. I guess we should figure out what's in store for us next week. So as usual, you're going to hear a little music. We're going to drop out and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the next time on. And we're also going to talk about a little bit of casting news. I mentioned it just a little bit before in the episode, but we're going to leave most of that discussion to the super spoiler section, I guess. Let's go watch this. Well, next week is appropriately called Halloween. We see Betty is dressed like Jamie Lee Curtis from Halloween. <laughs> I missed that. Perfect. It's great. Love it. I guess that we're having a seance. This is a, a lot of things we saw in the season trailer. So we see Cheryl in her Poison Ivy costume. We're going to see the seance with the creepy doll because we're going to figure out this whole Julian thing that's going on. That and uh, maybe Jason's haunting the house a little bit yeah maybe a little bit or maybe not jason but julian who knows but you know his dead body's there creepy creepy yeah oh black hood we forgot to say black hood the black hood is calling her uh the call's coming from inside the house there better be another obvious scream reference or i'm gonna be really annoyed if fp wears the ghost face killer mask i will die of happiness (laughs) i will fucking die of happiness if that happens we will do some sort of giveaway i don't know what it'll be but if it happens we will do a giveaway. It's going to be Charles. Fuck. I don't care if anybody wears the ghost face killer. We'll do some sort of giveaway. It'll be fun and cheeky. I'm super excited about this possibility. <laughs> I, 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 just let me enjoy my life. Okay. No, it's the show. I'm, I am exhausted talking about this show. Oh, it's super fucking exhausting. Not in a bad way, though. Just in a, wow, what a fucking ride. Like, I, I've got to give them this amount of credit. It's a fucking roller coaster ride to watch this show week to week. It is. It's a roller coaster of emotions. And that's one of the reasons why, for as much grief as we give it, we love it. Yeah. Because we'll just be like, fuck. Really? <laughs> really? But we love it. It's just this lovely train wreck we can't turn away from. It is the best kind of trash TV with 
just enough compelling moments of writing to keep you interested. Really good acting. It is very digestible. Like, I would say, like, if you want prestige trash, go watch Succession. Yeah, but if you just want, like, amazing network television trash soapy TV, you cannot beat the show. You really can't. It's just that good at being what it is. Mm -hmm. We have casting news. Yes. Timothy Weber has been cast as Forsyth Pendleton the First. He's been around for a long time, but the most recent thing that he was on was he played the apprentice in Once Upon a Time. So that's where people will find his familiar face. And Ryan Robbins has been cast as Frank Andrews, Fred Andrews' little brother. Um, Apparently, his backstory is that he was living in his brother's shadow and he enlisted in the military to create his own identity. And now after a couple tours, he's coming back to Riverdale. So, okay, that would explain why he hasn't been around. Sure. I'm going to surmise that he takes an interest in the gym. And hmm, if he's going to be a shady adult, which most adults in Riverdale are, he's probably going to do some boxing, betting. That would make sense. What if he formerly took an interest in his sister-in-law? Oh, okay. Well, maybe he was really in love with Mary. But, you know, Fred got her. But whatever. I don't care about any of that shit. I don't, <laughs> I don't need to find Mary a new husband. Okay. There you go. Well, I, I'm not looking for a love interest for her. I'm just looking for a, oh, interesting dynamic here. Mm-hmm. I mean, and okay. And in true CW teen television fashion, that would mean that Frank Andrews is the real father of Archie. Oh, for fuck's sake. You cannot do that. Having lost Luke Perry, if you do that, if you pull that trope around with such a beloved character like like this. Like you can't shit on Fred Andrews' grave that way. You cannot. You just can't. You could do that shit to Hiram. You could do that to F. Like you could do it to anybody else, but you can't do that to Fred Andrews at this point. And if they did that, I would very seriously have to consider walking away because at that point. Okay, at the very least. If there's any hint that there had been romance between Mary and Frank, the question's going to be asked. The question will be asked. I think it should be pretty quickly squashed. I certainly hope so. What I could see is that he thinks that Archie's his kid, even though Mary's like every fucking second been like, absolutely not. Your uncle is a turd of a human being. No. And no. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. The sad part is, is that I sit here and I go, but they would totally do it, wouldn't they? They would. They They would totally do it. They totally would. They totally would. I wouldn't be surprised they already thought about it just to fuck with Archie more because he hasn't been through enough. I do know that Forsyth Pendleton the first is going to show up at episode nine, which should be the mid-season finale, but it might also be the mid-season opener because every now and then those things get moved around a little bit. It's going to be episode nine. And also... The other thing we know is that FP has previously said that his dad drank himself to death. So whatever we know about Forsyth from FP is not entirely reliable. Well, yeah, FP is not 100% reliable. Well, previously he was kind of a drunk and a gang leader. So we also know he hasn't always told the truth about everything. That's fair. You know, but you know. Let him and Alice just bone and be happy together. Oh, thank God. Please, please let them bone and be happy together. Just make it official. I know it's going to be weird with the kids, but you know. Ming, 
if Tom Keller and Sierra McCoy can be together, let FP and Alice be together. Well, yeah, but, you know, then Jughead and... It's fine. It's fine. (sighs) (sighs) All right. Well, I think that's it for this week. I'm tired. Until next time. Hashtag... Go Bulldogs. And hashtag... Daddy Issues. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.